somebody was so angry, ran out. And then uh, at the same time, the song was burnt, so we're, we're a little all over here. But we'll, we'll be with you in a second. Who gave us the picture of the dogs? Hello. Hello. Excellent fucking job with me and him as dogs. Jay and Silent Dog. What is it? Jay and Silent Dog. Jay and Silent Dog. You will be here until my fucking morning. <laughs> Every saga has a middle age, but this one happens with James Zombach. Get old, I'm Kevin Smith. Cheers in your way! Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland rocks. Put your hands together so folks at home know you are real. Kids and it, uh, as previously mentioned, it's Ohio, and I get on the stoner. I don't know if anybody knows this, but I enjoy weed. And so, uh, if I go naturally, sooner or later throughout the day, uh, I will be, you know, needing smoke or something like that. And since I spend most of my time in California, where we've been legal for a while, I've just taken for granted that you smoke anywhere. So periodically, I'll be in a place smoking. I think I, one time I was in England. And it was in, uh, yeah. we did a show in London, and I had a bunch of weed left over. I was getting on a plane at six in the morning, and it was like midnight. So, you know, the place was packed and shit, and I was like, hey, uh, anybody in the audience smoke weed? And I like, well, yeah, I smoke weed. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, well, I got a bunch of weed that I can't bring back, you know, the states with me and shit. I sent too much over, so, like, me. You can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> of course I can. I'm not gonna sell it to weed. What am I? Fucking my character in the movie? Give the weed. They're like, it is illegal to even have that here. And I was like, well, how illegal? They're like, all that weed you're holding right now, you go to jail for like 20 years. And I was like, well, I, you give the weed away. <laughs> you're a local. You can fucking do it. Uh, so you know, it, it, periodically, like I'll be smoking and be like, what the fuck? Like, am I allowed to smoke? And I was like, why am I the fucking smoke weed in Ohio? And I got scared for a second. And then I was like, wait, Chappelle lives in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, they smoke weed in Ohio. <laughs> Ohio kids to me, magic place when I was a child. Uh, this may escape some of you and be like, why? But um, being from New Jersey, Ohio was positively metropolitan. <laughs> uh, but also I had an uncle, Uncle Johnny. My, my grand, it wasn't really an uncle, it was my grandmother's brother. So I don't know what that makes it to me. It, uh, great uncle. He wasn't that great. Uh, <laughs> he did do something really cool. And he came from here, uh, whenever he, you know, come to visit us in Jersey, which when I was a kid was a big deal, so I didn't know how far away Ohio was. Ohio from Jersey, uh, who's done the drive? How far is it? Woo! Eight, eight and a half hours. So you can get to Jersey, walk, 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 God, no Cleveland one is eight hours, like not all of Ohio. Right. No, all of Ohio <laughs> is in Cleveland. I swear I've been to Ohio before. And there's many, there's much, uh, you probably have. There's many scenes to Ohio, Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, that's another scene that it's saw. A TV show was made of it, so you know it. Yeah. Yeah. They tried in Los Angeles, but yeah, Tommy Park was in that show. Fucking a lot of energy. Are you okay? <laughs> I knew it was one of them. No, there's, you know, Ohio's a pretty big state. Well, I, I feel like I drove here before. I, uh, the girl I dated, it was like five hours. That's why. 
I absolutely. And it's also not far from Pittsburgh, if I remember correctly. Right? <laughs> so our dog's mind, Jack Beard's talking around. He probably came through. Well, and I also found out that uh, that New York's not far. It's on the other side of the lake. Because there's a lake right here, right? Mm -hmm. See, I thought it was an ocean. I'm like, there's an ocean here. The so windy. It's not such a great. I was like, Nearby, you're like, yeah, the fucking ocean's right there. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, I'm 51 and shit, and I know I'm smarter than him, but at the same time, I'm like, he is a little more worldly than you. <laughs> so maybe he knows something about Ohio being on the ocean that I never knew before. I was half right, there is water there. Water, there's water, water there. To be fair, there's water in the toilet. You never like that. <laughs> um, it's a big lake, and you feel on the other side of the lake, and you look Someone said there's uh, no, no, what's Buffalo, thank you. Buffalo, Buffalo. There's no TV shows, you can't sing that one. You're like, I'm bored to know. Wait, Buffalo, I don't think it's stuck the audience. How far is Buffalo from here? And it's on the other side of the lake, correct? Fuck yeah, see? I am smarter than him! I'm so ashamed. Some guy comes up to me, he's like, dude in the black glasses, that guy asked you a question. 
And I was like, well, I didn't hear him. He goes, no, not now. He asked you a question years ago. I was like, oh, I, I hope I have an answer for him years later. Because you answered him. He asked you about Prince on an evening with Kevin Smith. And I met the fucking dude who asked the question, who made me like, and I was like, oh, let me tell you the Prince story on the very first evening with DVD, which is now like, you know, on YouTube is, is known as the Prince story. But he begins it. Like each and every time, if you remember watching and shit like that, it's this young kid who asks, like, hey man, I heard you work with Prince or something like that. Can you give us a real story? And um, that was, let me see, we shot that in 2001, so that was 21 years ago. So I met like him, if you look at the video, he's a fresh-faced fucking like 18-year-old in college, because we shot that at college campuses and stuff. Um, the guy said, is he not here? Are you not here? Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was coming, but I can say this. Boy, did he age. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> yes, and I should point out, ladies and gentlemen, like, we're here to have a good time tonight. We will endeavor to make you laugh and shit like that. That's what we're here for. But a serious note before we go any further, uh, straight from the heart. If anyone thinks about coming up here and slapping either one of us. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, we will cry like little bitches. <laughs> Unlike Chris Rock, I cannot take a fucking prize. Please, even in your fucking seats. Even if you're the guy that I said looked older. Yes, he did look older, substantially older to me. Where I was like, he must be that guy's father. And he's like, oh no, I'm, the, I'm that same boy that I just wrote. Yeah, he's like, fuck you, pal. You think I aged badly? Well, number one, I would never fucking say that to his face, but I was like, what happened to you? You think, you look kind of like you sit standing next to me professionally and personally in both movies and in real life for like 30 fucking years now. I'm a way better actor than that. That dude could have like fucking been like, I fucked your wife once behind your back while you were sleeping. I would have been like, how are you? Who too? Yeah, I'm like a pleasure to have friends. But then I would have found you and been like, you know who this fucking dude told me? <laughs> oh, my wife. Remember the guy from Ohio? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm really nice. <laughs> so it was, it was a rare occasion that, like, you know, if you're sitting at home or fucking in Jersey, I don't get to meet that guy. Right? But, like, meeting people like that, fan expo is a, is a cool thing. And you get to run across uh, a bunch of folks, man, uh, in the industry, outside the industry. And one of my favorite people in the world is here. We never fucking like do guests on uh, James Silent Bob or Get Older. We're not really prepared for it because we're only two chairs up here. But I'm gonna bring him up for a few minutes uh, just to introduce you to because uh, he's important to my work, but it's also important to cinema history that he's fucking based right here in Ohio, man. Uh, I'll tell you who he is when I get him up here. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Robert Kirkman. Silent Bob or a podcast or anything like that. I wanted to be in special effects 
makeup. I wanted to do what Rick Baker did, Tom Savini did, like fucking dead people. I love rubber horror movies growing up, like fucking slasher films, monster movies. Anytime, like in the 70s and the 80s, this is the heyday of prosthetics as far as I'm concerned. Every movie was like made better by these incredible prosthetics and you had geniuses. Like, didn't Rick Baker win an award for American Werewolf? He, like, he won like six Oscars, bro. I'm watching fucking a marathon of Face Off, bro. <laughs> Seven Oscars. Yeah, Susan's been watching Face Off. And he laid the other day, he's like, look, and he showed me I was on an episode. And I was like, oh yeah, I was on that show and stuff. And he's like, I'm watching it again. And I was like, what do you mean again? Like, it's a fucking game show. You watch it once, you move on with your life. He's like, I love it. I've watched it three times. <laughs> and I was like, my episode? He's like, the whole fucking series. Listen, man, did you ever try to get on that? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, no. Dude, you win $100,000 at a brand new Fiat, son. <laughs> if you win, you get $100,000 and you win a Fiat. Yeah, that's... I mean, hey, dude. Hey, I can just work with you. <laughs> Wait, you're saying I'd like to point out for the record, he is a fucking professional. <laughs> the people that go on those shows are people like, I hope I get to do it. He would be the guy sitting on the panel going like, this is shit. Is fair enough. Fair it's enough. adorable that you're like, Bob, you could win a Fiat. <laughs> <laughs> you're not on this fucking show. Because you're good at what you do. Decided that uh, he was going to do special effects, uh, prosthetic, uh, in, in makeup and movies and stuff like that. So he got face off. <laughs> and he dreamed about being on face off. <laughs> um, he worked with uh, him and a bunch of friends, two other friends, started a, a effects house called KMB Effects Group, which is historic in our business. So they're responsible for some of the most uh, breathtaking. Um, uh, imaginative fucking gags you've ever seen in your life that was made with rubber and, and hoses and fucking animatronics and ingenious fucking creators, sculptors. Something I never could have done. I always dreamed about being what, uh, what Bob is, but I have no artistic talent whatsoever. You ask any critic, they'll fucking tell you. <laughs> I really can't like fucking sculpt or draw for shit. You have to be a true artist to be able to pull that stuff off. Um, to show you what a fucking true artist this man is, you're seeing the guy right here who fucking shaped, made, handled, and probably applied Marky Mark's dick in Boogie Nights. Give it up for yeah. him! Specifically, 
um, for a movie that uh, I love and, uh, you know, as in my career, a lot of the stuff I do is meant with like, yay, or what the fuck. And uh, this one is meant with more what the fuck than yay, although that's been changing. Over the last 10 years, it's changed. Um, Bob is responding. I called Bob one day and I said, I need like, like a, a, a human being that's been put together as a walrus with skin. And Bob goes, oh, I got it from Star Walrus. And I was like, that would be a great title. Oh, I got Huck Tusk. Bob created Tusk. Give it up for Bob. Oh. <laughs> 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 These scripts I read that were like insane where I was like, nobody's ever just ignored a guy and nobody's gonna do this game like this again. Tusk was one, the other was Baba Hose. Is a big part of Tusk. Like, without the guy in the walrus suit, you got no fucking movie. You got a bunch of people sitting around talking. Nothing ever happens to the guy in the shit. So, like, meeting the person who's going to bring your dreams to life, right? Like, fucking having that person be like, oh, I got this. He devised a way to put Justin Long into the suit. And doing the makeup is no big thing for Bob, right? You, you make up his fucking sleep at this point. But he had to make it look like this fucker was like a walrus as well. So yeah, you know, you're these guys, man. You're a champion. Uh, so what he did was, uh, in order for Justin to be in that suit, if you've ever seen him, he's big, he's surrounded, larger than he is in real life. Bob would do his face full makeup and then have magnets here, and that's the last thing he would stick the fucking tusks onto the magnets and stuff. He had the bristles coming out and shit. And the, the face was completely done, and it was this conical cowl that goes out the back. So if you looked at the back of Justin's head, you would see, like, you know, rubber man, or rubber pulled over his hair and keep his hair down. But you could still see the dye. So you would, as long as he was facing here, it was totally fine. But then he would climb into the suit. And the, you know, it was from the bottom. And essentially, in the suit, there was like a what, like yoga ball and shit. And so he could lay on it on his stomach, and then stick his head through the hole, and then fasten the cowl to the body, and bam, you're done. But the ingenious part of it is that Bob fucking designed. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but in order to get into the suit, Justin Long had to crawl through the ass of the suit. <laughs> So each and every time he was doing it, he was just like, God damn it, Jeff. <laughs> and Justin was like so excited about being in the suit like the first few days. Like, I go, you're going to hate me by the end of it. Because he's on his hands and knees, basically doing push-ups the entire time. And once he's in the suit, it's like hours in the suit before we get him out. And, you know, he's like got a spot on his mouth and he's in water and he's moving over. Like, <laughs> and he's a dog, you know? So, yeah. He had, he actually, was, at that point, he was dating Amanda Seyfried. And so they had this dog, she had a dog, or I think a dog, so she came to visit, and uh, while he was in the movie, we were in North Carolina. 
and she brought this dog with her. And Justin's in full costume in the walrus enclave, you know, where you set most of the movies or whatever. And the man brings the dog in, and uh, Justin's like, all right, folks, fucking say, I'm going to call the dog. He was like, uh, come here, Rusty, come on, Rusty, come here. And the dog was so fucking excited. He's like, oh, I have some boys to do that line. He's fucking you know, with the guy, and he's fucking my owner. And he's like, uh, wandering around looking for the voice. And then he races across the bridge and finds Justin in full fucking costume. And Justin goes, ah! And the fucking dog goes, ah! <laughs> It was, uh, I, the, that flick rests solely on whether or not you buy into the walrus. And, you know, one of my favorite shots in a movie that I've ever made over the course of nearly 30 years is a very 1970s fucking rack focus from him, we're tight on his face, and then we fucking rack out, and he's like, ah, and shit. I hope to God, when I fucking die, that's the clip they play on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tom, Bob, that would make sense, but that fucking clip, man, either that or the scene in Clerks 2, where um, uh, fucking uh, people got with sexy stuff. I mean, I've seen that enough in my life. <laughs> I will be seeing the duck in death forever. <laughs> no, fucking remember when uh, uh, the sexy Scott is like getting ready to have sex with the zombie, and he goes, <laughs> and he spits half of the spit goes off his hand, and it's lit in purple. Like that was my Chris Nolan moment. <laughs> it's really fucking special. Um, of all, uh, give him a little quick rundown of the movies that you worked in in the beginning of your career. Movies that like most people know. Uh, well, uh, a lot of the early sequels to Phantasm that I grew up on, like Halloween, Edgar Elm Street, Phantasm 2, things like that, those were my early, we were kind of the guys that made all the sequels and stuff we grew up on. And then, then, it, and then we started doing bigger movies, and, uh, you know, like The Wolf and uh, Wizard, things like that. And it kind of changed as we built our portfolio. But I grew up doing like, you know, started out as a war guy, you know, all of us were like the war guys in the cover of war zone, you know, like, oh, the war guys, and we're like, oh, we don't need more food, we don't need more food stuff. But uh, that's how it all started out. And then the death was And you remember, now here's the, here's the story, there used to be this place in, um, in LA, and I know you know it, where I first met you, and you know, we were working for Quentin and stuff back then. Yeah. And uh, you remember Dave's Laser? Yeah. Dave Laser. So we're in Dave's Laser, and that's uh, it was a laser disc store that's huge. At, right on Ventura Boulevard yeah. in the valley in uh, in Los Angeles. Very, very uh, like popular with hardcore movie nerds and stuff like that. Oh yeah. So we, I would go. I, have, I still have like uh, a couple hundred laser discs. Yeah, I still have two players at work. Oh shit. So, yeah. Who called me to work for 
be in touch with him then. And it was like, no. Hey, uh, you want to come do a Kevin Smith movie? I'm like, yeah, I'll send you the script. And, uh, You're like, my career is in a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Used to be on Dance of the Wolves, now I'm fucking dancing with Ripley again. <laughs> but yeah, that was the first time we met. We were all searching for little, like, movies and commentaries on them. And, you know, and uh, that place was like a gold mine. We were there all the time. And uh, I ran into you and other people there. Tyler, did you say you did misery? Yeah. Like with a broken thing? Yeah. yeah. Tell so we could go on the A like the bus. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. I didn't know that. I don't know what trying now. But do you also tell what the newest thing you did, which is fucking awesome? Calm Iron Bob. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's responsible for Iron Bob as well, man. And the guy who played him on Reboot, because it wasn't me, Bob was like, you don't want to get in this suit. <laughs> um, and so the kid who played him, his name was Kevin, oh, I think, right? Yes. 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 He, he's the, like, I, when I met him that day, he took his mask off and shit, and we were chit-chatting, and then he came out, and he's like, oh, I've been acting previously, so this is actually kind of cool for me. I'm, in a weird way, coming full circle. And I was like, why? Like, have you played Iron Bob before? <laughs> you know, and he was like, no, but I was in Iron Man. And he's the guy in the very beginning of Iron Man who's in the Humvee with, with Tony when he's just like, you know, no peace signs. He's like, no, go ahead. No gas signs. Go ahead. No peace. You know, I'm all for peace. The young soldier and shit. It was him. It was so fucking awesome. Um, it was nice when the world five, like, that's the closest I'll ever get to a fucking Marvel movie. So I'm very excited. <laughs> um, what have you been working on lately? What are the last few things that you did? What was the last Netflix thing you did? You worked with Mike Flanagan, right? Well, that was, about, uh, it was the Haunting of Hill House series. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then we did Doctor Sleep with Mike. Right. And then Gerald's Day with Mike. Um, and then what's coming up is a, a Netflix series this summer called uh, First Kill. And do a film with uh, Jerry Bruckheimer that's coming up on uh, Secret Headquarters. Can't hear you. Secret Headquarters. Uh, film with Jerry Bruckheimer. Guys, do you want to know that's his wife yelling at the Who wants to open? Be better for me! So, we did a lot of work. The last days of Tony Gray, which is uh, Apple TV's uh, 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 what's the name? Sam Jackson. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's a, that's all the stuff. Oh, and we just did a movie which came out a few months ago with my son Louis. Shade of Barrock. 
seems like the side of stuff. I've never seen Jason like this in my entire fucking life. He was like real fucking like nervous and like fucking. He, it was almost as if he was waiting to find out if a loved one had lived or died. And I was like, what's the matter? He's just like, I, I don't know, man. I, I sat down these stairs and he said to me, I can't, can't do it. Fuck me up. And he's like, but I want it. I want to do it. I want to play this part. And I was like, why? It's not worth it. He's like, I don't want to lay it down. I was like, no fucking movie is worth the amount of anguish that you're putting yourself through, man. I was like, don't. Don't fucking think twice about it. You don't have to do this. And he goes, well, if I'm not going to do it, who's going to do it? And I was like, uh, uh, someone else will. He goes, well, not Justin Long. Fuck him. <laughs> no, no, if you're not doing that, i got to find somebody to do it. So if it's not him, if it's going to be him, then I'll do it. And I was like, fine. Right, it won't be Justin. I'll do it. And he's like, you'll do it? And I was like, yeah, right, then you should do it. <laughs> so I have to get Ted. So I get Ted or Ted. And then, uh, of course, we built the body suit. Okay. The yeah. body. And it's like, no, I can't look at you. Yeah, I can't. I'm bigger. Yeah. And, uh, and so we had to put that suit on. And we couldn't shoot it from anywhere but the front. So <laughs> the, the back was open with, like, um, we had a shoestring uh, laces holding it together in the back. And uh, yeah, so it would be as if I was trying to wear like, you know, Jason's large t-shirt. It's hulked out of it in the back. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, we'll just join it with bread. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a real, it's a real, like, you have to put your, you know, dignity kind of on hold and into the hands of somebody else. Like you said, the one lady was completely naked, and you have to look like a doer from top to bottom. So it sounds filthier than I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> really entrusting uh, people uh, to like not make you look bad and shit like that. Uh, it's, it's kind of a tender little process, which is so strange because the end result is usually something grotesque, horrific, and unreal. Of course, along with uh, the Tusk, the Walrus, and Tusk, and, and Iron Bob. Uh, Bob, uh, as you know, worked on Yildo, which we were talking about. So he did me as the Brophy, but he also did the Golden Bowling. It's like one of my favorite fucking things I've ever seen. He was a giant fucking dead man who fights the girls and shit. Um, and he did the guy who was like good at standing up shit. So yeah. That's filth, yeah. That's filth. With our guy, uh, Dave Greyhouse. Yeah, Another Dave Greyhouse. Greyhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, who was on his face? I watched that I watched the models on there and sometimes people will put full like masks around their face where there's just little two little eye holes and I'm just like, oh my god, I freak out. I don't know. So I just didn't know if it was just me or is it happened. But you're saying only one other person you remember that ever having a Steven Seagal. One of the worst um, people in the world, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what did he, did he freak out? And was it at all? Yeah, he cried. He fucking cried. It was, uh, we did this uh, movie that he directed. Uh, directed. <laughs> <laughs> people talking about me, he did look director. Called On Hollow Ground, I think. Right. And, uh, uh, not hollow, but I'm trying to get hollow ground. Hollow, or hollow, 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 yeah, hollow ground. Pronunciation. We were all based on pronunciation. But um, so he came in and he uh, had his little entourage or whatever, and uh, and he had a little entourage or whatever, and he sits in the chair and we get all the houses going on and everything, and then he just freaks out, tears it all off. 
Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, okay, cool, whatever. Just sitting out there before me. We had to do like little sections of, and like piece it together later. But this is it. That's how you're standing at that time. And um, so, and then the funniest thing, he was like, I feel like my face is under siege. If <laughs> <laughs> we had to create this dummy of him, that there's a scene where he falls through the ice, right. and it like dies and stuns and whatever it is, and then he breaks out of the ice and gets the yacht to that it was the dummy coming through the ice. Yeah. So of course we're we're like you know okay so we're talking to him we're like okay so when you break through the ice obviously you're gonna have to shit you know you're gonna break through the ice with shit right and all of them and he goes uh, no uh, I would be like this. But that's how we had to build it. I was like, no, this will never get used. You know, it'll be shooting air water through the ice. And it'll be <laughs> that. So, yeah, but it was just one of those hysterical things. Right? It's like, this is how I fight. Yeah. <laughs> I chop through shit. Break your fingers and go, no, it's like, you know, it's ten. It's like, you know, I have that mind control. I can, my fingers won't break. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, yeah. It's a weird, fucking wonderful job, but without you learning your crap when you did, I wouldn't have been able to tell the stories that I did late in my career. Some people are like, well, that would have been a big thing. But I, <laughs> I love those I love Tusk so much because Tusk to me is the closest like, to a spiritual sequel. Two movies are nothing alike, but they're the only two movies I've ever made in my life where I didn't give a fuck about anybody who didn't think about what people would say in front of scenes so badly. The one that started my career and the one that nearly ended it. <laughs> but uh, one day, one day, this is a promise, one day we will do a Tusk 2. And thank God we have a few Tusk and Red Sabre before he passed away. But Justin would become the new old man. And then we get somebody else in the wheelchair. In the wheelchair. But does he come out of the? Does he come out of the suit? Would Justin come out? Yeah, basically so he's not. He's not like that anymore. He's the human that he was underneath when he's all like fucked up and sweaty over here. Yeah. Oh, and then when like the, the fucking opening scene when you first see him, he comes through the ice like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, well, I mean, it's sad at first, but we'll celebrate this great individual. 
Uh, just yesterday, we lost a, a comic book legend uh, in the field, a, a man who's responsible for uh, so many imaginations when it comes to very famous characters. The man who defines Batman in his art, uh, defines Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Superman, a very famous image of Superman busting out of chains, tripping that chain, who came right from the mine and, and handed this guy. Uh, he's an absolute legend. We lost the great Neil Adams. Give it up for Neil Adams. so fucking entertaining and so fucking chatty and so full of fucking stories that we wound up doing not one, uh, not two, not three, I think four of the five hours of recordings with mm -hmm. Neil. And then I also brought him on to the comic book thing as well uh, when, when one of the episodes. So uh, because Neil passed away, he's 80, uh, you know, um, and left his best all possible world and left us just a little bit heartless because of his passing. We uh, took the episodes that I did with him out of uh, most of the old podcasts I did are uh, at thatkevinsmithclub.com. We took the Neil episodes, put them in together, one giant megapod of five hours long, and put it out there for everybody to download and listen to it. So a lot of people online were like, hey man, I missed that interview like that you did with him and stuff. Um, for those, most people who, who follow uh, comics would know this, but for your own education, Neil Adams, you see that cover of fucking Batman or Detective, where it's a giant steel gerbil standing over Gotham, and he's holding a bag bar, and Batman's kind of like pinned to it. That's one of his images. Remember the image of fucking uh, uh, in from Heart Traveling Near the Green Arrow Green Lantern? Where they're in the doorway and fucking Speedy is shooting yes, up. Yes, yes. It's like, my ward is a junkie. That was yes. Jordan Bob's oh. lines. Neil uh, did with Denny O'Neill. Neil Adams drew a storyline called Hard Traveling Heroes, which took Green Lantern and Green Arrow out of like super heroics and just put them on this journey across America in the 70s. Very influential set of comics, groundbreaking uh, as well. Um, but for all of his amazing artwork, and he was a brilliant artist, to say the least, um, he was also a hero. The guy drew heroes left and right. He would draw a hero, a beautiful hero, but he was a beautiful hero himself. He was the one that in the 70s made sure that Siegel and Schuster, who were the two kids, and by that point they were old men, who came up with Superman. One was a kid from this very state. Is Cleveland as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right, one of them's from Cleveland. Which one, is Siegel or Schuster? If you come through the airport, it's a Superman display for that fucking reason. One of the kids was born here, the other kid was born in Toronto, I believe. So those two kids together went to work for National Comics Syndication or whatever, what was it called? DC Comics. And uh, had an idea for a comic book character, like, you know, he's a guy, he's a superhero. Like, what's that? Because there had never fucking been one before. Superman, the original superhero. The idea is somebody puts on a costume and says, daring do for good people to get on the side of justice. That was a notion that was floating down. Our entire industry of comic books is predicated and found, founded on action comics. There have been comics prior to action comics, but they were like war comics, nerd comics, romance comics, funny animal comics, western comics, shit like that. Nobody had ever done a superhero before. It begins in action comics, number one. So those two dudes birthed an entire industry. Those two dudes did that as a work for hire. 
work for hire means you're working for a company and they're paying you and you come up with a billion dollar idea, guess what? They own that fucking billion dollar idea. Now, when you're a kid and you're trying to make good, you're like, I got a billion ideas, man. Who's just one of them and shit? As far as you're concerned, maybe there'll be others down the road. Or if you didn't know that you were signing away fucking the greatest character, one of the greatest characters of the 20th, 21st century. So, for whatever reason, DC Comics uh, and their parent company, Warner Brothers, you know, <coughs> as a company is wont to do, they're like, well, we don't owe them any money. They made this for us years ago when they worked for the comic book company, so we own this work, so we'll credit them and stuff like that. They pass on the head, but we'll never fucking do anything for them. Neil Colvin's amazing story of they did a musical, Superman the Musical. And uh, Siegel was, uh, I think it was uh, Siegel was talking afterward. Somebody was just like, he was like, oh, I was there. I was at the premiere. Like, I saw this guy go, Clark Gable went in. I saw this person go, and all these famous people going into the musical. And they were like, how was the show? And he was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't go to the show. I was across the street watching people go in. So the guy that co-created Superman, and they're doing Superman the musical, yeah, yeah. couldn't even fucking get a ticket to go to the fucking premiere for his own thing. Neil Adams. Who's a young upstart comic book artist? He's like, you know what? It's fucking wrong. Without yeah. these guys, we got no fucking business. Went out of his way, championed these dudes to get them not just the credit they deserve, but fucking filthy lucre toward the end of their lives when they needed it most. So yeah. as Superman the movie was coming out, they, there was a, for lack of a better description, shame campaign where they were just like, you're, you're putting out this uh, movie where you paid Marlon Brando reportedly a million dollars to play Jor-El. Well, these fucking guys created Superman. Do something for them. And they made it right, as right as they could. They made it right. And there was all the shows, right? There was like the Superboy show, Lois and Clark, all that stuff. Everything. I mean, that's wow. just the Superman family that comes from that. But like comics in general, superheroes in general, sprang from the imagination oh, of two kids. And it was so important to Neil to see those guys take care of it. And he did. He made that happen. In their lifetime, before they left this world, the two creators of Superman finally felt the fucking love that they probably didn't feel for much of their career. One of them was very bitter. You know, talk about the show, like they've been fucked yeah. over and fucking they, they, they never got back from the company and stuff like that. So for that guy to be as good as he was, top of his fucking game, drawing comics and shit like that, he could have just done that. And he would have been fucking fine. But just like the characters he drew, he couldn't sit there and, and not feel a sense of injustice. Here he is drawing Superman, and the two kids who created Superman, who are now old men, don't get anything from it. So he labored, man, and made that happen. Not only did the guy draw heroes, he was a fucking hero, man. So it was a great loss uh, to lose Neil Adams. However, it was a great game that we ever fucking had at all. Think of all those beautiful pieces that we drew. Think of all that storytelling that he did like, you know, in his chosen profession. And then all the storytelling he did in real life. And it was just such a wonderful wrap-up too. So I, I spent time with him in the world. I'm happy to be able to get to say that stuff. But uh, I'll miss him. Uh, and we all should, man. He brought a lot of good. But give it up one more time. <laughs> Um, I, I live near the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles, 
and they rerouted me. Well, you can't go to the class. I gotta go to the airport. They're like, not tonight. They hit Chappelle with the bowls. <laughs> so the festival's going on, the show's going on and stuff. And I have a show. His show is at the Hollywood Bowl. I don't have that many people in my audience, so I'm not the Hollywood Bowl. I'm at the Troubadour, which is a wonderful public space, very historic as well. And my wife, for whatever reason, she used to be in big in the music and shit, so she like went to the Troubadour in the 90s when she was in her 20s, so I told her, I really want to play the Troubadour. She's like, oh, we have to fuck now. <laughs> <laughs> really? She's like, yeah, I used to fuck guys with the Troubadour all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> uh, so she's excited as, as fuck to go and shit like that. But um, I have been putting together like a set list, because I'm not going to do it as like a Q&A, where I'm like, oh, let's find out where the audience wants to go. It's a comedy festival, so I'm just going to try to bring together enough material. What about the donuts? Hey, what about the donuts? So, this is like, I'm going to try, I never do this. I never announce what I'm doing. Sometimes I just do shit and I incorporate it down the road. But I, I wrote it. I wrote a joke. <laughs> it's not a traditional joke. Like, a guy walks into a bar, but it's a little bit. And I want I want to do it to see if it fucking works, but I'm worried that it sounds like like arrogant or something like that. But it was a bit that came to me in the shower today. And, I wrote it down. and if it works here, I will do it on the on the fucking special on, on Monday night. So uh, here it goes. And the idea is they they tell you like as a comedian to like relate to your audience. So comedians come out and they're like, anyone in the audience ever hear Clyde Farr? He opened Murphy Bay and just said that shit. So I was like, all right, man, I'm going to try to do the same thing. I'm going to try to relate to the audience. Okay. So I'm going to come out and be like, anybody in the audience ever made twerps? Has <laughs> <laughs> anyone in the audience uh, ever put Stan Lee in a movie? Has <laughs> anyone in the audience ever fucked my wife? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, man. Quick, throw away stuff. But thank you for that. Um, I see where the last part. I was like, I gotta go quick and get out fast. <laughs> Just like it fucking So, wait, did part of it. Part of the bit, you, you start off by telling the people that do that whole thing. I would have to do the whole the setup part. Like, everyone says you gotta relate that part. Okay, okay, fair Which to me feels more. I don't really, I've, I've been a, it's weird, I don't consider myself a stand-up comedian, and I don't think a lot of other people do, but they call me comedian all the time, like director, podcaster, actor, well, I've been doing my movement stories, which I feel like similar, so yeah. I'll you, a little something like I really appreciate that. <laughs> but here's the thing, I don't consider you a comedian either. I don't either, <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the thing, both of us have wound up in the field of comedy, and then like in many cases, we actually go to comedy clubs and do shows, kind of like this. Yeah. And it's weird because, like we don't have training as comedians. We, it's not like, hey man, I got, a, I, I did a good five minute set. I put it up on speed and fucking in front of like a cold audience. Don't know I me. Mean, we have the benefit of having done other things. So when we come to comedy, people are like, hey, it's the fucking guy. Seth Rogen described it thusly. He did that movie with Judge, which is about stand up. What was it called? Not funny, funny people. Funny people. So he said that because of funny people, he has to go out and, and fucking like get on stage and hey, what about them donuts? Do some bits to get ready. And he said what he noticed was like the difference between when he did comedy before he ever got known from Knocked Up and afterwards. And he said, when you get on stage, first 10, 15 minutes, legitimately everything I say will get a big laugh. Like people would just be like, I'm fucking happy to see you and shit. You're fucking funny by brand and whatnot. And he's like, but. If in 15 minutes you're not legitimately funny, they'll also let you know that as well. Yeah. So he was like, well, 
he didn't say that. He's like, don't tell me as well. <laughs> 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 he said that he had dealt with that a few times. People were like, you fucking rock. And then 20 minutes in, they're like, suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we never did that. Like, we did a movie or a couple movies this year. And I got into standing up on the stage with a microphone because after the movie's done, they push you out on stage. They're like, go answer for that shit. So you go out and you do Q&A. And I would never, like, be the guy who's preaching erudition. I would never felt right going up there and be like, well, you know, when you make cinema, because I literally made one fucking movie. So well, how could I sit there and, and wax rhapsodic about filmmaking? I'd only done one. But I love stand-up comedians. I love George Carlin and shit. And every time he had a microphone in his hand, he told funny stories and shit. So I was like, I do that. Like, so instead of getting up there and telling my theory, my author theory, I would get up there and be like, let me tell you how we have to cap the shit on cue, you know? <laughs> and so that, is, that backdoored me into comedy. It was just like getting up and doing Q&A, I defaulted to humor. And then slowly over my career, I, I honestly, I still don't even, I still don't feel comfortable accepting the title because to me, comedy is, is an art form that like somebody spends their whole life crafting machines and shit like that. And it's comedy is just one thing that I do a, a, a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. None of none of them well. Jack of all trades, master of none except me. So whenever I do a comedy show and people are like, hey, can you guys whistle a little bit? Because I would love to be thought of as comedian Kevin Spencer. I don't think of myself as comedian Kevin Spencer. I'm like, oh, I'm a director, and sometimes I fucking get up on stage and talk. Also, comedians work out bits and routines, and I just literally tell stories. And most times I extemporaneize, I just work with what's in the room or what happened like 10 fucking minutes before. So my life leads to a lot of fucking stories. Why don't you pay attention to everybody's life? I'm like, fuck it, nobody can't do what we're doing right now. Sit down, be friends, bullshit, tell fucking cool stories and stuff. Uh, especially stories that like, you know, where you look stupid or fucking like some weird out to me. Perfect example. I just celebrated my anniversary of 23 years married to Jennifer Schwalbach. That she never does, but I'm concerned. That's our promise. So we went to celebrate our anniversary, like, you know, I was like, what do you want to do and shit? We had just gone to New York for her birthday a few weeks before we went to see Funny Girl on Broadway and shit like that. So she was like, nothing extravagant. She was like, you know, let's uh, let's go to the movie. And I was like, fucking hey, man, there's a movie I would actually like to see. And I took her to see, uh, has anyone seen Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? Put your hands together. And you know what I'm talking about. It's honestly like a singularly amazing fucking movie. Every once in a while, a movie comes along, they're like, wow. That's dazzlingly original while being hauntingly familiar at the same time. And I think they just moved the goalposts. You know, that kind of shit. And I've been hearing stuff about it online. I didn't, it wasn't spoiled for me, but I was like, I want to see this. So I was like, let's go see this flick. And, and she's like, as long as it's not a fucking Marvel movie, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, that's when I'm like, you want to go see a fucking Marvel movie? She's like, no. So we go see everything, everywhere, all at once. Now, we're going to see it at uh, the Chinese Theater um, in Los Angeles, where they've got the footprints and handprints, where Jane and I have our handprint and footprints in the cement. They got the big fucking theater there, and they also got like a multiplex right next door, six screener. So, so we're going to the six screener. I've been there many times, it's right down the street from my house. Um, the snacks are terrible. Like, if you're not eating fucking popcorn or fucking, like, I'm vegan, so it really limits the amount of snacks I can get at the theater. They got nothing for fucking me. So I asked my wife, I was like, you bring in the big print? 
Yeah, well, not the pig, but yeah, I'd like a sandwich. And he goes, well, you know, you're not supposed to bring any food. And I was like, no, yeah. But, is that right? <laughs> I knew, but I didn't want to fucking say that. Like that. I was like, but well, we did buy popcorn. He's like, yeah, but that doesn't negate the fact that you brought in food. I was like, I'm sorry, how did you know I brought food? Because that was really intriguing. He's like, somebody complained of the smell. <laughs> I was like, what smell? He goes, are you eating meat in here? And I was like, and I could honestly be like, I swear to God, I'm not eating meat in here. Because it was fucking vegan meat would take real meat and shit like that. And the guy's eyeballing me, and I was like, I swear on my child's life, there's no meat in here. And the guy fucking eyeballed me and walked away. And, shit like that. and Jennifer was like, you never swear. And I was like, yeah, but that's fucking like, that, that meat ain't meat, because it's fake meat and shit. And she was like, yeah. I mean, I think we ever just go to the fucking movies, man. Did you glad you should have put a big piece on your face to also get that out of my race? <laughs> He's like, I fucking know it. I can't imagine them like being fucking bustling. I was in charge. I was in charge of quick stuff. People would would steal things, and I'd be like, be careful going home. Yeah. Every day too, it's you're watching a movie, right? Whenever I'm like, fuck, I don't want to get up and pee. I'm gonna miss something or whatever. So you rush there, but this person at times like. Oh my god, this motherfucker's eating meat. <laughs> Bro, I don't think that motherfucker went out to pee at all. I think that motherfucker was like, I'm tired of this meat smell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get up and be like, it's not loud enough in there. You gotta turn it up. He went in there and was like, I paid 10 American dollars. I don't need to smell meat. <laughs> Do you feel like it smells? Does it have a smell to it, you feel like? Yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so he did not agree with it whatsoever. Um, all right, kids. So uh, we've been doing Jay and Sam Bob the Olden podcast for a long, long time. Over 10 fucking years. We celebrated our 10th anniversary at the beginning of uh, the quarantine lockdown, I think in 2020 or something. So that means we've been doing this shit for 12 fucking years. Uh, I think we've been doing the podcast longer than we've been playing Jay and Sam Bob the Olden We used to like close out the show by bringing people up and, and playing let us fuck and stuff. And being real intimate and swapping spit. And then COVID killed all that. Um, you know, we used to fucking suck microphones off, can't do that anymore and shit. So we tried to figure out what to do uh, with the show, uh, you know, while we're on the road and whatnot. And we came up with an idea. Is uh, doing a, a label, an imprint with us called Secret Stash Press. We're going to be making comic books. Uh, one of them is called Masquerade. It's a vigilante book that I write with Andy McElfish, who I do education with. Uh, the other is an anthology title called Quick Stops, which is literally all the DC Universe characters in short stories and stories that we referenced in the movies and that we told and stuff like that. So, for example, one of the one of the issues uh, is called Waking Walters, and uh, it's from Clark. You remember uh, Randall talking about my cousin Walter who drove his necktie and stuck his own dick. <laughs> and then in uh, Mallrats, you know, uh, huh. Brody refers to his cousin Walter who went down on the plane, and everyone was jerking off in the plane, fucking riding itself and shit. So those are the same person. So Brody and Randall are related. So in the one of the issues, uh, Waking Walter. Like, it's after Walter broke his neck, 
trying to suck his own dick. Moody and Randall meet up at the funeral and exchange stories like about their cousins. So it's shit like that. I've been having a blast, but it's some of the most masturbatory bullshit I've ever done in my life. This is just me playing with all my old toys. They're like, ooh, would it be cool if they did this? So we've got right here issue one of Quick Stops um, that we're going to perform for you guys tonight, and we're going to need help to do that as well. So, characters of Jay and Silent Bob naturally will be played by Bobby Jason Hughes and myself. Um, but there are three other characters uh, that Dred's required to pull this off. So, who wants to act, ladies Woo! and gentlemen? I'm gonna let Jay pick because I'm Judas but I'm gonna, I'll let Jay pick because he's far more. I'm so lucky to yell at you. I don't pick a break. You need uh, three characters. You need uh, first off, let's do it by character. Yes. Let's do it that way. In the script, uh, there is a character named Sean Hartle who's referenced in Mallrats. Remember Brody's like, Sean Hartle's giving everyone the inside scoop. Mm. So this is the first time you actually see him. And side note, I'm gonna put up a video, not next week, but the week after, after we do Stash Cash. Next weekend is Jane Sonnenbach's Secret Stash Silver Anniversary Dash. We've been in business 25 years ago, and they kind of shifted on May 7th and 8th in New Jersey, eight hours from here. Um, <laughs> with uh, the entire cast of clerks taking pictures and the fake quick stop in the back of the stash. And then at night, we're doing a three-way Q&A with the entire cast, so it's going to be a good time. The week, uh, like Monday after that, and that's all tickets at csmod.com. The week after that, and Monday after that, I'm going to put up a video that uh, does this promotion, uh, which is called USQ. The idea is uh, we sell these jackets at uh, jamesonbob.com, these blue, black, satin jackets by Chalkline. They're really nice, and we got a bunch of them. So what we're going to do is put them up on sale and in the pockets of four of those jackets. However, we would not a joint, because that'd be fucking illegal. <laughs> uh, but in the pocket will be a golden ticket, one of my business cards, and on that ticket gets you in to the conference. So if you bought one of those jackets and you reach in the pocket and you got a golden ticket, you're gonna be the face of that character in the comic book, because we've got characters we've been naming for years and we've never seen. Like, you know, Cousin Walt, We've never showed it. And people are like, Walter Klein is in the movies. He plays the fanboy. He's not Cousin Walt from the movies. I just borrowed his name. So we're going to need his Cousin Walt. We're going to need um, Sean Hartle. Well, that's for this. But I'm talking about for the quick stop books, just people for faces for the okay. USU. The other one is, uh, what's his name? Fucking uh, um, Myra Hodgkiss. Um, and then Elias, you know, she told Elias about pillow pants. <laughs> so, um, so Sean Hartle will be one of those cats, and we'll need a Sean Hartle tonight. So who wants to play Sean? So let Hartle? me let me mention right now. Remember, guys, when you get up here, you got to be full on, like you're gonna have to like play it out and stuff. So you got to be ready. To yeah, you can't get up here and read. You got to come up here and act. You can't yeah, be, you got to bleed for the part. Yeah, you got yeah, to be ready to go full balls to the wall. He might yell at you, cut you off, and say, "Whoa, we got to." This I will cut you off, but I will never yell at you. I'm not my guy. I feel like this guy would be a good Sean. I'm gonna try him. I'm sorry. I feel like I don't know. Something about him seems like he's like a little edgy, ready to rock. What's your name? That's first one. What's your name? Brian. Everyone give it up for Brian. He's playing. All right, Brian. Let's go, Brian. You get out there and you sit in the middle piece first. 
Well, I'll sit Sean down there. Oh, Sean down here. Then. The other two next to me. Don't oh, Sean, okay, you come up here. We're going to get you a seat. The other two cats, they got a lot of lines. Oh, you know, you, you go on the other there. side of it. You go on the other side. For now, for now. Just totally like, you go off stage. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> no, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. We'll just grab one, grab one of those chairs. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get chairs. Right. 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 Can we get another mic, boss? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. so we got a Sean Harlow. Now right. we need... Um, uh, Alyssa Jones. Uh, the part was played by Joey Warren Adams and Jason Andrew, which is the Jason Bob Reboot. The part tonight will be played by one of you. Pick us an Alyssa Jones. All right, Alyssa Jones, I think right here, she's, I think she's gonna What's your name, what's your name? And we'll give it up for Kate, she's Alyssa Jones. Thank you. Right, we need a Ben fucking Affleck. Uh, who, uh, who thinks they can be Big Ben Affleck, man? Holden McNeil. McNeil. What I say big, I've seen his dick, so I know what I'm talking about. Who wants to play Holden McNeil, the star of this issue? Of Holden McNeil. Um, how about this? I need some, uh, I'm not picking anyone yet. I just want to get names. I want to see if you can play Ben. What's your name, boss? Nathan. Nathan, what's your name, bro? Troy. Mike. Hey. Uh, you, the one last one I just said. Everyone else was like, George, Taylor, Tommy. He's like, yo, really? <laughs> That's what I was looking for. What's your name, man? Eric. What is it? Eric. Eric, Eric give it a <laughs> That's what I was I thought I heard you said Eric, and then you're like, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric will be playing Billy, but playing Ben. That's the tricky part. All right, kids. You got a script? You got a script? You, got you guys can share that. You, you guys can share that mic here. I know you got your own script. And you guys can share Ben, and, and, and you two can share that mic. And, uh, I'm yeah. I'm going to get this mic to this young man. Yeah, you don't come in for a minute. Yeah, I'm actually running to the bathroom, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on the movie set. You can't find it. Uh, all right, kids, we're going to read through this. I am going to be playing sound lobby in the role of lines. So I'm going to be reading all the screen direction to you as well. Uh, and as he pointed out, I'll be directing throughout this. So I will look for passionate takes on these characters. If I don't like your read, I will shame you in front of all these people, man. <laughs> like a good director should. Uh, okay, here we go. Page one, panel one. Uh, before we even start, the title of this issue of Quick Stops, issue one, featuring Holden McNeil, is Holden Back the Years. Very common, very bad dude. Page one, panel one. Exterior of the Hollywood Chronicon Convention Center is dead. Establishing shot of all sorts of variations of Jane Sonnenbaum or Bluntman Chronic Cosplay headed into a convention building for the 10th Annual Hollywood Chronicon. Uh, in parentheses, I write to the artist to use an image from Jane Sonnenbaum reboot as a reference. And the narrative box says the 10th Annual Hollywood Chronicon. And we hear from off panel, Alyssa Jones say, Hold on. Way into the microphone, it won't happen. You gotta pass the mic back and forth. See how loud I am? Get it right into your face. Here we go, and hold on. <laughs> Take two, and action, Alyssa. So next year, with Holden's blessing, I'm going to be making Chasing Amy into a live action series for Netflix. 
Nice. Panel two, interior Hollywood Chronicon floor deck. Place is packed. We're seeing all these variations of Jane, Simon Bob, and whatnot, kind of like we've seen here today on the floor. And then we hear off panel Holden McNeil say, and Netflix wants an edgier title than Chasing Amy, but Holden and I can't come up with something we like better. Well, I just realized that's a fucking mistake because you called yourself Holden, so the writer was stoned when he wrote it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so let's take that back. That's going to be Alyssa's line, and i got to remember to change that. Uh, here you go, Alyssa. This is your line. And action. And Netflix wants an edgier title than Chasing Amy, but Holden and I can't come up with something we like better. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think he was a better Alyssa, so why don't you guys switch it up? You'll <laughs> be Holden. You'll be Alyssa. Let me hear your Alyssa guy. Take that mic. Alyssa. <laughs> And Netflix wants an edgier title than Chasing Amy. Are you putting on an effective voice? And Netflix wants an edgier title than Chasing Amy. But Holden and I can't come up with something we like better. I'm liking it. I'm fine. These are the new roles. I've repassed. <laughs> <laughs> Panel three, interior convention center hallway. The hallway's clogged with one man chronics and stuff like that. And we hear off uh, panel. Holden say, wait, hold on. Yes, this is Holden, that's correct. So since the story is going to be told from Alyssa's perspective, the show, instead of telling the story from Holden's perspective, I like, like I did in the comic book. All right, so now, yes, that was right. Holden said that, but it sounds so... You don't sound like Ben Affleck. You gotta try harder. Um, in order to sound more like Ben Affleck, just think you're better than everybody. <laughs> yeah, it helps. You get to be a asshole as well. Uh, okay, so one more time. You're best Ben Affleck. And action. So, since the story's gonna be told from Alyssa's perspective in the show, instead of telling the story from Holden's perspective, like I did in the comic book. Give it up for it. Close on a placard outside the panel room door. Um, it says uh, the panel inside is Chronicon Guest of Honor, Holden McNeil's Blunt Man Beyond podcast, live recording in progress. And so uh, yeah. off panel Holden tells us. I told Alyssa she might as well call it. And then flip the page and quick do the punchline. <laughs> and we talk. What the fuck? <laughs> so the next page, you have page two and three. Yeah, the, 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 the line right there oh, was rehearsed. So, so we go, hey, you, don't worry about it. You're so, a little bit. You're 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 a little bit. Something funny happened to you once. Did she actually think that's funny? <laughs> <laughs> 
Sean Hartle is standing at the microphone wearing a Comic Toast t-shirt featuring the logo from the comic book store in Mallrats. And so Alyssa says you, and Sean says, Hi, Mr. McNeil. Give it up. That's fucking acting right there. You know what? You go over here, you play Holden. You go over there, you play Holden. The switch. I think I'm feeling it now. Yes. We'll get there. Sometimes you gotta do this shit. Man. And fucking Dogma then started out playing Bethany, so there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, man, so Sean Hartle is. Let's just give you script back. You're gonna need that. Sean Hartle's gonna be you. You're gonna be. Affleck, and you're still Alyssa. Only <laughs> to. <laughs> New role. So let's hear from our Alyssa again. She says, You. You. Hi, Mr. McNeil. Much better. <laughs> You're a much sexier Sean Hartle. That's very inviting. Ask you to play Affleck when you could play Affleck. <laughs> uh, okay, panel five. Holden is smiling, and Alyssa is rolling her eyes. Holden says, Whoa, bro. Mr. McNeil is my father. Sir, just call me Holden. Holden what? Chess movie, uh, Searching for Bobby Fisher. And what she called him, Foster, in the movie. Like 
And then in, in Jay Sabah, which starts back, he had named his company's posture then. For that reason, a little sorry. So, I, I know a lot about this. Uh, <laughs> page five, panel one, closer on a delighted Holden, he says, wait a minute, is that a comic toast t-shirt? Are you from fucking Jersey? And I just want to add out, I add, ladies and gentlemen, that the fucking was not there. The actor added. <laughs> <laughs> I picked well, didn't I? You did. So Thank far. you, sir. You picked up with all the wrong parts, but it's working out. <laughs> all right, so Sean Hartle, he's all smiles and indicates his shirt, and Sean Hartle says, I am, and it is. Oh my god, you want to fuck Holden. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
and you'll feel it, man. And now I know you gotta look at the line and look up, but look, make sure you look up because that's gonna help you get there. Here we go. Uh, take three. Already three more takes than I like would have needed. And <laughs> action. But fuck him. You're from the middle town? Our middle town? Did you go to north or south? Now that's acting. Give it up for that motherfucker right there. Alyssa went to North. I went to Heights. Alyssa says, Calm down. We share some geography with the guy, not DNA. <laughs> okay. Fellow Jersey expat. You would have been right to hit me for that fucking joke. There's <laughs> <laughs> fucking late there. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes the jokes aren't, they're not all like fucking, ah, ah, ah. Some are just like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Hello, Jersey expat. What's your question? For the crest of honor, with all his fancy bags. Beautifully done. Battle 3, Sean Arnold finally asks his question. Sean says, I just want to start smoking weed again after not smoking since college, and my favorite thing to do when I blaze is read or no run without many comments. It takes me straight to the 90s, back when I was a skate rat who practically lived at the mall, and I was a big image and contender kid in those days. So when I do read your book and books, they bring me to my happiness. Give it up for that nice. Now, yeah, Sean asks his question from the audience. Holden and Alyssa are on stage. Go ahead, Holden. Oh, man. Thanks. That means a lot. So is there a question in there, or? Sorry? I guess my question is, how did you come up with the idea for Buckman's Run? Um, I, I'm going to stop you right there because both of those ended as questions, even though there's two periods. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> so you want to you want to hit it with a uh, okay. And here we go. And take two action. Sorry. I guess my question is, how did you come up with the idea for Buckman's Run? Now we want to stress idea because that's going to be the rest of the story. So see how it's italicized. <laughs> that's meant to like idea lean into it a little bit. All right, take three and action. Sorry, I guess my question is, how did you come up with the idea for Plotman and Run? Give it up first, thank you. Uh, Metal Pot, close on a delighted Holden. Holden says, ah, you want Holy fuck, really? Exterior, quick stop, 
day flashbacks. So we're flashing back to Quick Stop for some reason. The establishing shot of the legendary store circa 1990. Use any image of clerk as reference. Angle it so that we don't see through the front window into the store. We hear Holden say, you know the Quick Stop in Leonardo? And then panel two, interior Quick Stop, a young, younger than he is in Chasing Amy, uh, more like he looked in uh, Days of Confused. Holden McNeil sketches in an art pad behind the counter at the legendary Quick Stop. Use any image of Clarkson's reference. He wears the old Quick Stop smock that Jay wore in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back over a long sleeve t-shirt. Holden says, I worked there for a month, the summer before I went to college. What the fuck? Holden McNeil worked at Quick Stop? No. Oh my god, only two people in the world will care, but fuck it. <laughs> That's some deep cut shit right there, ladies and gentlemen. So, our story uh, is Holden working at Quick Stop and figuring out what uh, man across. So that's what we're going to show Panel three, over Holden onto what he's sketching in his art pad, man. It's a version of the cover of Ranger Danger Requiem, a book that we saw in Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Holden's voiceover tells us, It was this amazing job where I had no oversight and tons of time to sit around and draw because nobody ever came into that store. Panel four, close on Holden, lost in his drawing, framed by the edges uh, of, of clothing, worn by waiting customers on the other side of the counter, who we don't see yet, but we know who the fuck they are, Holden says. Well, nobody but them. Yo, Bob Ross! <laughs> you really wanna paint something? Paint these nuts with your tongue in your mouth, Yager! brand moo-moo on the counter to purchase. Jay yanks his pants down with one hand, holds his dick with the other so that only his hanging nuts are exposed. <laughs> Over here is news image from Zach and Miri as reference. <laughs> uh, Jay sticks his tongue out metal style and says what he says. Well, you know how I fucking told everybody, like, you gotta do it right. Take your dick out and hold your ball. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why everyone was like, I think he's gonna do it. I think we're using free dick and clean Page nine, panel one. Holden shields his eyes behind the counter when Jay's holding his nuts and he says, Jesus, put those things away before they rub on the ice cream case. Hoggin' dicks. We call them hoggin' dicks. Is that good one? Middle of Watts is the second part, huh? Uh, Jay pulls his pants up laughing, Silent Bob smiles, Jay pulls out the cash, and, and Jay says, Says the guy who's always hogging dicks in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Pack her ass, my good man, time to kick back, drink some beers, and smoke some weed. Panel three, holding rap, uh, hands wrapped. Pack her ass to Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, Silent Bob extends the money to hold as we see both parties in profile. Jay is screaming his head off in performance mode. Holden says to him, Didn't you guys ever see Scarface? Fuck Casper Gomez and fuck the fucking Diaz brothers! <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of another line. Don't get high on your own supply. 
I fucking adore you doing that line from Scarface. That makes me so happy. Give me my new ringtone. Put a lot of passion into it. Give it up for him, ladies and gentlemen. Now, board, J rolls a joint at the counter with the new raps while Simon Bob plays it modestly cool. Mind you, this is 1990. Jay says, Tony Montana never had any cocaine as good as this own realm weed. That's just Sal Bob's horticultural genius, man. He grew a whole new strain of smoke just by crossbreeding some dirt green seeds and an old Flintstone terrarium kit. <laughs> motherfuckers like MacGyver. No motherfuckers better than MacGyver. And I can prove it. Alright, first off, I just want to give him full props for rocking horticultural <laughs> and terrarium. Give it up for Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Final five, Jay extends the roll of joint to a nervous holding. As Silent Bob looks on smiling, Jay says, Hit this shit with us and find out. Are you nuts? Put that away. You buy weed from us all the time. <laughs> but I don't smoke it in public. We can't blaze right here in the store. What if a cop comes in? Because it was the 90s. Now you can smoke it in 7-Eleven, I'm sure. <laughs> Page six, close on Jay. A uh, panel six. Uh, close on Jay, eyebrow arched mischievously as he indicates the door to the cooler at the back of the store behind him, and he says, Then lock the door and let's hit this shit back in the cooler, kid. Page 10. We're in the middle of the issue, ladies and gentlemen. Ten more fucking pages to go. <laughs> Take page 10, panel one. Interior panel, uh, interior uh, back room. It says panel one, but it should be. Um, Cooler door, not panel door. Interior cooler room. Uh, back in the present. Oh no, I am right. This is my I'm fucking misreading my stuff. Page six, page ten, panel one brings us back into the present of the story here in the panel room where Holden and Melissa are telling Sean Hartle's story. And Holden is saying to Sean Hartle, Now, mind you, back then, it's not like it is today. This morning, I just bought a pack of Maui Wowie pre-rolls at a weed store that's across the street from a movies. That's the world we live in now. But this was the early 90s, when just having some weed seeds in your pocket would be enough to send you to jail. So I had to be clever. I mean, what's, what I'm thinking amazing is it doesn't sound like Ben Affleck as much as it sounds like a guy from Dateline. You have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, panel two, exterior, quick stop, front door, Jay. Uh, we're back in uh, uh, flashback mode now. A sign hung in the window reads, taking a shit, back in five minutes. <laughs> panel three, interior, cooler, day. Holden and Jay and Silent Bob are in the cooler, surrounded by sodas and milk. Use image from Clerks 3 as reference, because in Clerks 3 we finally go into the cooler. We did it in the cartoons as well. We spent the whole episode in the cooler. But in the movies, we never went to the cooler. The first time we go to the cooler in Clerks 3, very under his breath, Brian O'Halloran as Dante goes, man, it's cold in here, hot cold. And then it fucking gets cut off. Exterior, quick stop, front door, uh, sign reads that we're in the cooler. Jay is lighting the joint in his mouth and looking at Holden's smock. Now, mind you, Holden is wearing the smock that Jay wore all throughout Jay and Silent Bob straight back. This is how he gets the smock. This is the secret origin of the smock. Holden is rubbing his own arms to stay warm, and Jay says, I like that schmuck you got, you gotta wear. You mean the smock? I hate it. 
Well, can I have it? No. I'm sharing my weed with you, and you can't even share your clothes? Hell, more fantastic. Holden's making an ill face. Look, I'm going to stop calling you Holden McNeil and start calling you Holden onto material possessions. <laughs> You're up, hero pump. You, you fucking drool on it, man. Panel 5, Holden hits the joint as James Sound Bob look on. Sound effect says, Jay says, Yo, you want to come see Dick Tracy with me and Sound Bob tonight? It's <laughs> 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 Panel six, close on Holden, holding his smoke, eyes wide, looking at, and Holden says, I didn't see Dick Tracy that night. <laughs> Instead, in the next line on the next page, I saw my hero. Page 11, splash page, interior blunt cave. Holden's stone POV has changed the cooler into the blunt cave and turned Jane Sonobob into blunt manic crowd. Behind them, we can see in place of a giant dinosaur like in the back cave, the blunt cave is a giant movie statue in the same T-Rex pose on a lower or higher platform behind them is the blunt mobile and there's a hint of a giant pen. Holden's voiceover in court says, I saw my heroes in chronic, or AKA Jay, screams, Holy home invading Vicky Bales, blunt man! <laughs> Who let this cock smoking clerk into our bitchin' blunt cave? <laughs> hey, that makes me want to make a blunt man chronic movie. Page <laughs> <laughs> 12, panel 1, reveal Holden is standing in front of them, dressed as he was in the store, exhaling a cloud of smoke, a joint in his hand, and Holden says, oh, Holy shit, this week. <laughs> you know, I, I respect the choice to do it under your breath. But I'm gonna go for a second take just in case sometimes you're like, that was good, but I'm gonna grab one just in case you a take. Will you do it like loud where everyone can hear? Here we go. And action. Holy shit! This movie is amazing. See, like by doing it loud and obvious, that's the athletic choice. <laughs> What you did first, that was the Matt Damon choice. <laughs> okay, panel two. Wide on the blunt cave as the alarm sounds and blunt man and chronicle racing for the blunt mobile, followed by Holden. And the sound effects for the alarm says, Ree, Ree. And Chronic says, Holy shit, blunt man, that Ree, Ree can only mean one thing. Blunt man and Chronic hop into the two seater blunt mobile. Holden is following them, it's still a few feet from the car. Chronic says, that the, the mutated motherfucker must be back. Holden says, who's back? Where are we going, guys? I gotta get back to the store. He'll say that again. We'll say it all together, bro. <laughs> Here we go. And take two. Chronic started with Chronic. Can't get this lead in and action. The mutated motherfucker must be back. Who's back? Where are we going, guys? I gotta get back to the store. Give it up for him. He took direction well. That simple. That's why you want to be in our business, kid, because you get applauded for doing like the right thing. <laughs> you know, like you fuck up and then you're like, he did it right. And I was like, yeah, amen. We fucking sat through the first time. Yeah, it's all you're all kidding when you're down a movie, so it's fine. Uh, panel three. Uh, I mean, panel four. Uh, close on fire, shooting from the Bloodmobile's jet engine exhaust. The sound effects is boom. And then panel five, uh, the Bloodmobile takes off with Holden. Holding on to the vehicle spin, the sound effects is strange, and Holden says, Wait! Oh, that was very fresh, but so good. Give it up for <laughs> <laughs>
Dark Knight returns his reference and Holden does the voiceover because I'm about to speak to the Bunkman. So Holden said, Hot Knocker doesn't get it. Keep going. This isn't a mud hole. It's a brisk. <laughs> and Blunt Man's the Mahel. Boyle's got to cut the tip of your dick off. Uh, let's, let's do the whole thing again and then stick the landing with Morty. Okay, so there they are fighting, and Holden's voiceover tells us action. Hot knocker doesn't get it. This isn't a mud hole, it's a briss. God damn it! What the fuck? <laughs> I know, we'll get them all right, right. I got it, I got it. You got them lined up? I got it. All right, here we go. Take fucking three. Jesus, man. Let's have a couple of days. Here we go. Hot knocker doesn't get it. This isn't a mud hole. It's a brisk. And blunt man's the boy. He took direction. Give it up for him, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, blunt man breaks Cock Knocker's arm. Cock Knocker goes, ah! Panel two. Biggest panel on the tape. A muddy blunt man stands over the down and defeated Cock Knocker, surrounded by impressed Cock Knocker Cock Commandos. These are from Dark Knight Returns in Second. Chronic is getting up again, and Domino Mask Holden cheers from the sideline. Holden's voiceover tells us, and his Cock Mando corpse look on in horror. The Hemp Knight foiled the fist. Uh, panel three, close on the former cock knocker, cock man, Rob, who now wears a cock leaf taped across his face. Use image from the dark now returns to reference, Rob says. The cock knockers are dead. They are history. This is the mark of the future. Red bait belongs to the blood man. Nice. Panel four, a muddy chronic appeals to Holden, who is taking off of his smock. Blunt Man is lighting a victory joint. Chronic goes, Yo, sidekick! I got so much fucking mud in my eyes, I'm as blind as Matt Murdock! The <laughs> joke <laughs> that only works in this room. <laughs> Yo, let me borrow your schmuck so I can wipe it off! Holden hands off his smock to Chronic as Blunt Man looks on, half smiling, and Holden says, I can't believe this. You guys aren't just some dirt merchants who hang around outside a convenience store dealing drugs. You're secretly superheroes, and you're waging war on crime? Page 17, panel 1, tier Quick Scout Cooler. We're back in the cooler now, where Gleeful J triumphantly holds up a joint, holding Holden's smock in his hand. Jay's got the smock. His other hand on the open door. The exiting Silent Bob is behind him, chuckling, and Jay says, I just stole your schmuck, you fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, panel two, behind the joint holding Holden as the uh, cooler door slams shut, leaving him alone. Or slam instead, and off panel here. <laughs> 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 Holden is joking. A terrifying laugh, isn't it? That is very joker. Panel three, Holden is alone in the cooler now. Lit joint still in his hand. He's warped while the soda's in milk, and Holden says, I'm gonna get that smock back, you fucks. Panel four, same setup, but now Holden hits the joint. And his voiceover, he tells us, I never got that smock back. <laughs> and in the room, as he's smoking the joint, he says, a foul mouth little chucklehead. Yes, but that says sado, which usually means to oneself. So you'll be more like foul mouth little fucking chucklehead, or to yourself. And take two, action. Oh, no, a little chuckle head. I threw in a bucket and could have done that too. <laughs> I respect your choices in that show. Uh, page 18, panel one. Interior, back in the panel room, like us right now. 
in the present. Holden finishes his story in a close-up, and Holden says, and I got fired for losing it, which was okay, because I went to college like a week later. So, but, we're, so we fucking Holden got fired from Quick Stop because he lost the spot that Jay wears in Jay's on Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, make a whole ass movie about it. Comic <laughs> book. Go ahead, back to you. But then I dropped out of college by the end of my sophomore year. So that's when Banky and I self-published our first book, a black and white comic called 37 which was all about that summer I spent working at the Quick Stop. <laughs> all the Chasing Amy background history stuff, the first comic was called 37. It was meant to be like our version of Clerk. And Blunt Man and Chronic is meant to be our version of Paul. So in their, in the lore of Chasing Amy, they did this little black and white book that got famous. That's what he's talking about. And in that black and white book was the debut of James Bond. This is such deep cut shit, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a Kevin Smith fan, go, oh, hardcore fan. If you're just like, oh, I saw Clerks once, this is like fucking great dude. But if you're like, I've seen all the comic movies, like this, this shit will fucking play. Uh, back to you. So, go ahead. 37 was a breakout book that won Eisner, Eisner Awards and turned me and Banky into comic book rock stars. That's when Contender Games came calling and offered us an amazing deal. So I set up a studio in Red Bank with my best friend, and the first book we published was based on the shit I saw in the cooler that night when I got crazy hot with Jay and Bob. Give it up, that was a nice delivery. Sean Hartle for a follow-up question. Sean asks, what the real Jay and Silent Bob think of the comic book Jay and Silent Bob? Ooh, you honored the italics, well done. Panel four, close on hold and hold it says, when I showed them my earliest pencils, instead of just feeling flattered that I drew the characters to look exactly like them, Silent Bob negotiated a deal on their behalf for likeness rights. <laughs> so years later, when Banky sold the book to Miramax to make the movie, Jay and Silent Bob got a big chunk of change. Which, if I remember correctly, they spent flying around the country to beat the shit out of the internet. What the fuck's the internet? How many people want to be so yes. Battle five. Sean Hartle is at the mic, uh, holding up his Chronicon badge, says, What did the real James and Bob think about the reboot? that Kevin James is doing right now. <laughs> Page 19, panel one, close on hold, and he responds, Kevin Smith, not Kevin James. I put my name in the comic book. <laughs> <laughs> the flick would have a fucking chance if Kevin James was directing it. <laughs> and I insulted myself in the comic book. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what Jay and Bob think about Blood Man vs. Chronic. I haven't seen either of them since Miramax was making the first flick. Panel two, interior Potter's Inc. Day. Flashback, Jay and Son Bob hold up the Wizard magazine featuring their comics con counterpart. Use the image from Jay and Son Bob strike back as reference to the Wizard. Holden says, they came to me looking for what they called a motherfucking movie check, but I was out of the blood man business by then. They said they were going to Hollywood to stop it, but the movie got me. Panel three, exterior probacit night flashback, an image of Jay and from a video camera, threatening the viewer, use image from Jay and Sabah, strike back as reference. Holden says to us, 
for a red-hot minute, they were all over the news after being mistaken for the leaders of a terrorist organization. <laughs> I am the Clint Commander! on hold and smiles warmly and he says, as a dad, more than anything else. Aww. 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 got that kid at Reboot, man, uh, who looks exactly like you and his daughter. Page <laughs> <laughs> 20, panel one, Alyssa closes out the panel with hold and smiling behind her. Alyssa says, from co-creator of Blood Man Chronic, to co-creator of an actual human being, you continue to make fun stuff that always has something personal to say. None of us would be here today without you. Chronicon guest of honor. So we thank you for all your work. And I thank you for letting me interview you for a change. Because you're not only one of my favorite artists, you're one of my favorite people too. Let me tell you something, that performance was so good. I, I dated the actress who played Alyssa. And your performance made me a little hard. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> right back to the 90s. Well, I'll give it up for him. That's a hell of a look. For the attention, all for the 1B shooting in 30 minutes. Oh my god, he's number one. Interior Convention Center hallway. We see people leaving the panel, and that's the voiceover here. Everyone's leaving the room. Panel three, interior panel room. The room's empty now, except for Holden and Alyssa near the stage. And there's one Silent Bob cosplayer packing up his bag. Um, that, if you've ever seen Jay and Silent Bob reboot, Jay and Silent Bob race into the room and throw a guy out of the room. That guy is in the fucking comic book. And that guy is uh, Dominic Burns, producer of uh, Madness and the Method, my movie I directed. It was Jay's producer. Thank you. Uh, so he's going to have a bit part in the fucking comic book as well. The room's empty now. The guy, uh, Holden, sits on stage. Uh, wrapping up cables, Alyssa is standing, holding her stomach, crossing her legs, and Alyssa says, I gotta be fast. Can you wait here for Jenny and Amy to get back? And Holden says, totally. I gotta wrap up all my gear anyway. Panel four, uh, alone now, Holden sits on the edge of the stage, quietly wrapping up his wires. And then panel five, the same exact panel, same image of Holden sitting there wrapping up wires. Now he looks up, his wide eyes, in response to the sound of the door, Slamming from off panel, maybe vibrate the panel, but to make it feel like a very big door slam. You hear slam, and then panel six, a smiling, still seated Holden says his first line from Jane's Sound Bob reboot, the line he said off camera in the movie. So that in the movie, you can hear the line, and then he stands up in the shot. Here you actually get to see the Jane said the line. Use image from Jane's Sound Bob reboot as reference, and Holden says. Look at these morose motherfuckers right here. <laughs> and in the lower right corner of the panel, a stop sign with the word stop written on it indicates the end of our issue. That's it, folks. <laughs> Thank 
Good job. <laughs> <laughs> close uh, man, that was fucking fun. Uh, in, in terms of, you know, when we used to play Let Us Fuck, it would take like five minutes and we'd be done. That was like an hour. Uh, did you guys enjoy that aspect? Yeah. Yeah. People don't really understand or, or know what the, the job entails, but it's just that. It's you, you telling people what to do. You going like, no, it's not that, it's this. And you think you know. As a writer, obviously I've got some input into some shit like that. But like, you know, if you're a director who's interpreting a screenplay that you didn't write, it's almost as arbitrary as anybody else is interpreting it as well. But they picked you, so you're the person who's done. So you sit around and that's that's it. Everybody's ever been like, I think I want to make movies, but I don't know if I can direct. You literally just saw what directing fucking is. <laughs> you know, I make a lot of jokes and shit like that as well, and that's for the show here, but we also do that on a fucking set, because it should be funny at all times. You know, if you're gonna do something like this for a living or try to fucking make pretend for the rest of your life, god damn it, you better be fun. You should never be one of those fucking people that's just like, yeah, I gotta go make a fucking movie, fucking subs and shit like that, like this people. Uh, <laughs> family. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's breathing rarefied air when you go make pretend every day like you did when you were a kid and stuff like that. So in watching any of that interested you at all, uh, watching people read lines uh, and then be told like, I'll do that differently and shit like that. Um, if uh, watching somebody set a scene for you, if there's any moment where you're like, oh, you almost see it in my head based on what the description was. Guess what, Dave, you're a director, you just got not directing it. So don't leave this world without trying if it's something you're interested in. If you're like, look, I just like movies, I don't want to fucking make them, that's fine, you need people to watch it too. But if you watch shit like that and there's something that stirs in you, and I don't mean like half a hard on because you've got no sleeves and you're like, sexy. <laughs> <laughs> if that stirs in you, talk to him. But if there's, if there's something that's stirred in you while we're doing that, chances are because it speaks to you as potential performance. And I'm not saying like, that's for your fucking life. Change your fucking job and just do that. But let a little bit of performance back into your life. And then if performance sounds like, you know, too fucking big a word or too like, oh, that's beyond me. I'm gonna change it, make it very simple, bring it down to the words that everybody understands. We all used to do it at one point in your life. And I encourage you to continue doing it into adulthood. Well, it's called play. What we just did here today was play. It was kind of fun. It's fun to fucking watch. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I told my kid for years fucking growing up. She used to watch iCarly when she was little. She doesn't watch the new one, man. I said, let's watch it together. She's like, I'm growing up now. And then I fucking played with pizza. She's like, we have to watch it together. Nostalgia so, uh, kicks in in the 20s, it's amazing. So um, I used to tell my kid when she was little, all the time, she'd watch iCarly. And I'd say, like, you like iCarly, I like iCarly a lot, I love it. I said, well, you know, watching iCarly is so much fun. You know what's even more fun? Making iCarly, writing iCarly. Why don't you write one? She's like, I don't work for the show. I was like, you don't need to ask for permission to write an episode of Carly. It may not make it, but you get to fucking write it, and it's fun in the process while I'm doing it. Even if nobody sees it, it's just yours. You created a little piece of art, it's yours. And she never listened to me as a kid, but goddammit, she grew up to be a writer. I am currently writing a thing with my daughter for Netflix. We got a job as writers together, man. <laughs> and shit like that. Um, I've been working with a kid, and uh, the, the story that we do is based on uh, an old uh, cartoon. So uh, there are two 
versions of the story. One is set in the present, one is set in the 80s. And uh, in one version of the story, in the 80s, everyone's grown up and they're adults. In the present version of the story, uh, the people are young, like in their late teens, early 20s, a lot closer to Harvey's age. So, you know, I said, look, I'll, I'll write the grown-ups and shit like that. Obviously, you write the kids, that makes a lot of sense. But I started writing the grown-ups, and she didn't start writing the kids. She was, like, dragging ass. So I was bored one night, and I was like, you know what? I can never write the kids. I mean, like, I can write a fucking, I can write 20-something dollars my whole fucking life. So I wrote, like, a few pages, wrote this scene and shit involving these young characters, and presented it to my daughter. And I was like, hey, man, I took a shot at the kid scene, let me know what you think. And I thought she'd be like, oh my god, this is great dad. And she came into my office and sat down so seriously at my desk <laughs> with the papers in her hand. She put them on the desk and I was like, what's up? And she's like, the scene that you wrote. And I was like, which one? She's like, not the 80s scenes. Those all work because you lived in the 80s. And she's going, but the scene that you wrote in the present with the girl characters in your 20s. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, oh. Dad, no 20-somethings talk like that. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, none of these voices sound like a 20-something. They sound like a 51-year-old man writing for 20s. And I was like, you're out of your fucking mind, kid. I was like, my whole fucking career is predicated on me writing dialogue. I'm the king of 20-something dialogue. She was like, in the 90s, Dad. <laughs> you might want to leave it to others now. So, um, you know, it's never hesitate to play. Even as an adult, you know, as long as it's not gonna hurt somebody and shit like that, do it. Um, but never tell your fucking father that he's too old to write fucking dialogue. <laughs> it hurts, and you carry that shit like a cross or herpes for the rest of your life. <laughs> but if you enjoyed this and you responded to any portion of it, we're like, ooh, that made me tickle in some way. Chances are you're like us, dude. You just wanna play. And uh, I say pursue that before you leave this best of all possible world. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, have you had a good time? Everyone was absolutely lovely. Uh, it made us feel like uh, we still matter in this fucking business. We're still relevant. We got Clerks 3 coming in the fall, kids. Yeah. Oh. I was hoping for a fucking good movie. It turned into a great movie. I cannot wait to share it with you. We will be touring the movie like we did with James on Bob Reeves, and we'll be coming through here again. Uh, so next time you see us, hopefully, we'll be on stage. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. I can't thank you enough for following our stuff as long as you have. Uh, it has afforded me and him a life where we don't have to fucking work for any other assholes but each other. And, uh, <laughs> and we know how to handle each other's assholes. <laughs> uh, but there is no fucking show uh, without the guy who's sitting uh, right to my right, the man who stands beside me in movies and in real life for the better part of the last three fucking decades. Give it up for the one and only Mr. Jason I think that's why everyone was like, I think he's going to do it. <laughs> I think we're going to free dick and clean it. <laughs>
page nine, panel one. Holman shields his eyes behind the counter when Jay's holding his nuts. And he says, Jesus, put those things away before they rub on the ice cream case. Hoggin' dick. <laughs> we call them Hoggin' Is that good enough? <laughs> watch is the second pun coming. You know the quick stop in Leonardo? And then panel two, interior quick stop. A young, younger than he is in Chasing Annie. Uh, more like he looked in uh, Days of Confused. Holden McNeil sketches in an art pad behind the counter at the legendary quick stop. Use any image from Poison's reference. He wears the old quick stop smock that Jay wore in James Silent Bob Strike Back over a long sleeve t-shirt. Holden says, I worked there for a month, the summer before I went to college. What the fuck? Holden McNeil worked at Quick Stop? Oh my god, only two people in the world will care, but fuck it. <laughs> That's some deep cut shit right there, ladies and gentlemen. So, our story uh, is Holden working at Quick Stop and figuring out what uh, man and crime. So that's what we're going to hear the story of. Uh, Jay pulls his pants up laughing. Silent Bob smiles. Jay pulls out the cash and, and Jay says, Says the guy who's always hogging dicks in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs>